Okay, so the last last reading is from Colossians chapter one, and um, another another letter that Paul wrote when he was in prison. Uh, we're reminded at the end of Acts twenty eight, Paul was in prison in Rome, and while he was there, he wrote. Uh, we believe he wrote several letters, including this one. Uh, to the church at Colossae, a place that he had never, don't think he'd visited, and therefore he, it's not Paul that established the church in this um, in this city, but but one called Epaphras, and it, we think we don't know, but we think that Epaphras heard Paul in preaching in Ephesus, which is not too many miles away. And then Epaphras went back to his hometown, which was Colossae. And there he started telling people about Jesus. And then this church um, was formed in, in Colossae. Kim and I were um, uh, out walking in the fields, or across, across some fields last weekend, uh, last Sunday afternoon, lovely, lovely day. And, um, walking through a, a field of, um, never sure which crop, because I, I, but one of the one of the corn crops, perhaps, perhaps it was wheat. I don't know. And, um, probably was wheat. And you know, I couldn't resist plucking one of the heads off. I'm sure the farmer will forgive me for that, as there seem to be plenty of others. But of course, as you open a, a head of uh, head of corn, it's amazing, isn't it? You see all those other grains of wheat in there. And then you think you take one of those little grains, and I did do this. You take one of those little grains out, and it's just such a small, hard thing, isn't it? And and then you think that from this thing that seems so hard and inanimate and uh, in, inanimate and um, whatever, actually comes the rest of this stuff that's growing in this field. You know how from one small seed so much can grow almost in a sense by magic isn't it just happens <laughs> and and that picture runs through into the beginning of Colossians here because he talks about the sense that, that, that Epaphras took the you know the seed of God's word to this people in his hometown and they heard it they understood it they received it and then this and it, it took root and it grew it grew both in terms of people becoming followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. It also took fruit in what was happening in their individual lives that they, in verse five, the, the faith that they have now in Christ Jesus and the love that they have for, for others um, and the hope that they have for the future, the hope that they have for a better future. I, I was saying the other day, wasn't I, that... Um, so important that that um, that we have a uh, we have a real hope and that we we focus not and not exclusively of course but we do call that call that to mind that this life is not all that there is that this life is temporary but there's one coming that is permanent and um, you know and particularly when things are difficult that we remember that that actually these things are just temporary. I was reminded of the, um, this was so true of the slaves in, in, uh, in the West Indies and in America. They, they had a hope for a better future. That's why so many of their songs 
talked about that future. Their, their present was terrible, but they, had, they knew that something was coming that was wonderful. And uh, we see that reflected in their songs. Perhaps uh, one of the most well-known, of course, is, uh, I'll say this just for Becky, as I know she likes rugby, um, swing, swing low, sweet chariot. What's the next line? Coming to take me home. And they had that thought, didn't they, of the future that God, they had, they had a real hope um, for a wonderful future. And that's what was true for these people in Colossae too. And so there was fruit and the fruit as this gospel was spreading and growing amongst them and across uh, many other places as well. But there was a problem and Paul addresses the problem as he goes through this book. There, although they'd received the gospel and they'd responded to it, they were starting to get it mixed up with other things. And um, we're not sure exactly what those things were, but there's various hints within the, the letter. It seems that they were mixing it, some of them were mixing it with Jewish traditions, that they thought, okay, well, we're Christians, but we also now need to follow Jewish practices. We need to either, you know, doesn't talk specifically about circumcision here, but we need to we need to we need to do what what the Jews were commanded to do in the Old Testament. Or some of them were getting mixed up with with other strange philosophies that involved worshiping angels. Or another one um, almost certainly was that that they that you have to get to a higher level of knowledge, a special knowledge. That's what you needed. And that was just for the select few, not for the, for the many. And these are problems that they sort of mix these things with their Christian faith. And Paul and Epaphras, it may well be that Epaphras, knowing these problems, goes back to Paul and tells him, and that's because Paul then writes this letter. And so Paul's concerned for them. And that's why in, in verses 9 onwards, 9 to uh, 13, he prays for them. He says, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. And many these other things that we praise and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, according to his glory might, so that you might have great endurance, keep going and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints, for he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You are already qualified. You don't need to do anything else. You don't need to achieve anything else. You don't need to become something else. God has already qualified you and to be his children, to be in his family, to be in his kingdom, the kingdom of his son. Don't think you need to do something extra to gain that his forgiveness or his approval or whatever else. You've been rescued, you've been set free, you've been forgiven. And then in the next few verses, 15 through to 20, Paul focuses on Jesus because this is what it's all about. It's all about him. Um, it's not about these other things. It's all about who Jesus is and what he's done. So let's just read verses 15 to 20 through together. Would somebody like to 
um, read read or read a verse or two and then somebody else pick it up. 15 to 20 of Colossal chapter 1. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn all over creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have a supremacy for supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God by that. What he means is that we can we can see what God is like, God the Father is like because we see Jesus. Do you remember Philip came to, to John? Philip came to Jesus and show, show, says, show us what God is like. Show us the Father. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You don't need to see anything else. I am what God is like. I am God. And therefore, you can see, see that in me. And he is supreme. He is unique. He is the creator of all things. Um, all things were created by him, for him, through him, sustained by him. Things that are visible, so i.e. the things that we can see around us now, the things that we see on David Attenborough's natural world, the things that we can see in space as they do the space program, but also those are the things that are visible. Also, things that are invisible to our physical eyes, even with our great microscopes and telescopes. There is an invisible world and there is an invisible spiritual world. That's why he refers to things like powers and rulers, authorities. These people were beginning to worship angels. It's true. There are angels. There are spiritual beings as well as human beings. But God created them all. He's over them all. And one day he will bring all of these things uh, together. And so God is, Jesus is the great creator. When he talks about the firstborn, of, it's not because he was created first, like Jehovah's Witnesses would tell us. He was not created. He simply was the creator of all things. And he's also the reconciler of all things. He's the one who brings people to himself. And uh, through, through his, by, it says there, doesn't it, by making peace through his blood, shared on the cross. Once we were alienated from God, we were enemies, but now we're part of his family and we, he's going to present us wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. He is everything. He is the one who creates, he's the one who saves, he's the one who rescues and everything will come together with, in Christ and under Christ Jesus. 
And so we have been made holy. You are, we are saints. That's the word that's connected to holy. Saints is not just one or two people that the Catholic Church decided have done a miracle or two and therefore qualify as saints. Saints are everyone who are being saved through the work of Jesus Christ. We are made holy. Sometimes we look at ourselves and we think, oh no. And we look at other people even more, don't we? And think, look at, look at them. Look at those Christians. Well, the truth is, it doesn't matter what we think about them. What matters is what God thinks about them. And what God thinks about them is that they are holy. They are people that he sees without blemish. And so we have well, perfect standing before God now, which will be fully realized in the future. There's nothing to be added, nothing to be added at all. Jesus has done all that is necessary. And we simply have to come in faith to him and trust in that and trust in him. Time is gone.